The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 210. Oi! Don't be scared. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the January 1st, 2021 New Year's special featuring the 13th Doctor, Revolution of the Daleks. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Uh, before we get into it, folks, I just want to remind you to remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page, where we're at facebook.com slash secrets of Doctor Who, and join the conversation there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and we love to get your feedback uh, wherever you can find us. All right, so hey, new content. This is new Doctor Who. We're so excited, hey. right? <laughs> it was special. It was special. Uh, well, I got to say, coming into this, I should have watched the last, at least the last episode of the previous season, because I had to pause and go back like, what all did, how did we end everything last time? Because I was, I was a little confused because this really just jumps right in from was, the last know, it, episode. It was only, only nine months ago. It's hard to believe. For some reason, I thought it was longer than that. But yeah, it was only nine months ago was the finish of the season. Um. And there's and this ties in a lot to last year's New Year's special and last season, you know. So there's a lot of that that really it really continues that those themes. So yeah. So let's start at the at the beginning then, and, and kind of go through it. It starts with on the screen. I kind of like this as a Star Wars fan. Yeah, a figured. long time ago, far far away, and then it says 2019 Cheltenham. <laughs> so so it takes us back. Uh, I think it's supposed to be 18 months or so right i think is there or is it just a year i think maybe is what it is because it was it was the yeah. it was the events following the uh, the end of the the last new year special they said 10 months had passed 10 months right okay well after after the uh the final episode of the season so yeah it was a year because it was like what six days after the previous season or previous uh new year's episode Right. And then it was like a year to produce these new Dalek things. Right. Okay. Spoilers, the there's first. Daleks in this one. Oh. <laughs> it's in the title. I thought this, so until last year in the New Who era, we've been having Christmas specials. And some of them were more Christmassy, with A Christmas Carol being the most Christmassy of them all. Others being less Christmassy. The least Christmassy one being Do Return of Dr. Mysterio which was also one of the better ones. And then Chris Chibnall decided to have New Year's Day specials instead. And I have to say that if this is the story he wants to tell, that's a reasonable decision for this story, to have it be New Year's rather than Christmas, because this is dark. You know, Christmas stories need to make you feel in some measure warm and happy and things like that. And this is much darker. And so it plays better as a New Year's Day story. Yeah. Well, and it, and to be fair, I really didn't feel like it was a special episode you know in, in in the sense of like the christmas specials were um i mean i could very easily have seen them writing this as a two-parter and i don't think it would have taken much to stretch it into a two-parter you know to find 10 minutes for a couple of episodes and they would have they would have had it you know and, and we, we've seen the episodes start uh doctor who episodes much longer much more stretched than this would have had to have been oh yeah you know but i mean it really didn't it didn't really stand out as there's anything really special other than just airing on New Year's Day. It felt compressed. Uh, it, it went kind of quick. And that um, the only thing that sort of stands out is, spoilers, the departure at the end. That's really the only thing that sort of stands out as a uh, special or unusual thing. This totally could have been a season premiere episode. Mm -hmm. 
So the title is Revolution of the Daleks. So we know the Daleks are involved. We know there's going to be some kind of revolution. So as you're watching, you're waiting for when is the first time they're going to mention the word revolution. That's going to give us a clue about what's going on. And the episode starts with the end of the last New Year's special where the doctor and companions defeated a scout Dalek that had turned up on Earth. And this episode begins with cleaning up the aftermath of that, uh, where we see the the shell of the Dalek, which has been killed, uh, being taken to a secure facility in England somewhere. And on the way, it's hijacked. And someone apparently either knocks out or seemingly kills the driver that's taking it and and drives off with it. And so then we jump forward to a briefing that is being given by Jack Robertson, who is the Trump like businessman from the spider episode and in fact is in the UK. Yeah. yeah, In fact, Yaz later identifies him as you're the spider guy. And, (laughs) and that was a fun line, but he's, he's back. I found him very annoying last time. I found him Mm -hmm. less annoying this time. Yeah, I agree. They they They, weren't playing down. Yeah. They weren't playing the Trump angle as much. And he's just an, he's just an evil businessman. Now I have my problems with every time we see a businessman, why does he have to be a villain? Right. You know, that's just, it's, that's gotten stale. Villain or completely focused on money and profits and PR and because you know he's he's talking about some you know something's going on like they're in this the Dalek uh regeneration uh warehouse and he's like well this is gonna look bad for PR what that's words he would not say (laughs) so literally so he's giving a briefing to a, a senior British politician who is a Margaret Thatcher surrogate and she's her star is rising. She's going to become the new prime minister in this episode. And even though she doesn't physically resemble Margaret Thatcher that much, her attitude is a clone of Margaret Thatcher in the, the way Chris Chibnall perceives Margaret Thatcher, the same way Jack Robertson's attitude is a clone of what Chris Chibnall perceives Trump's attitude to be. And so this is basically... Trump meets Margaret Thatcher, and he's got this proposition to help her out because he's reverse engineered the Dalek shell and made a security drone out of it. And he gives her he's got an assistant who's apparently in charge of the project, who's there, too. And he uh, they come really close to where people are rioting. And I was confused, is this a real riot or is this being staged for demonstration purposes? He but, says it was staged. Okay. He said it was a stage, yeah. But the the Daleks come out and they use, instead of zapping people, they use water cannons on them and they they release gas, like tear gas, and they use ultrasonics to, you know, subdue people. And so they're like, nicer kindler gentler daleks and there's no there's no there's no octo squid in there and it's these are just drones but we've seen this plot before we've got daleks being used in service of good and initially so when when they initially took this angle i'm like okay i've seen this plot before this is power (laughs) of the daleks this is evil of the daleks this is victory of the daleks the Daleks seem to be doing something good, but inevitably there's going to be the heel turn and they become villains. And and I said to myself, I'm not particularly interested in that. I'd rather see something new and different with Daleks that hasn't been done that often. But I thought that they ended up pulling it off OK, given that that's the plot they were going with. I found it more enjoyable than than I would have thought. I actually kind of like the the look of the new Dalek, especially with the LED lights kind of behind the grill there and everything. But I, I, I you could see the the uh, junkyard Dalek from the last year's special in the new Dalek, where there was there was little hints and things that kind of matched up as far as uh, parts and pieces from a junkyard that were just made to look better. Um, 
So I kind of like, I kind of like the look of it. And yeah, I, I like the idea that these are these are basically empty shells that are artificially, you know, AI controlled. However, you know, spoiler, they aren't they don't stay empty for the entire show. In fact, for not most of the show, they're not empty. Yeah. And the revolution in this case, the initial revolution is these are a revolution in security because they're going to assist police in quelling domestic disturbances and things like that. They're also going to have their own revolution later on where they want to take over the earth. Well, it's also, I think, a revolution among Daleks between the the SS Daleks that show up, the, you know, the special police Daleks at the end versus these hybrid Daleks. I think that's also part of the, the revolution aspect. Uh, that's what I was with. referring to. These Daleks, these security based Daleks are going to revolt and have a revolution. Oh, OK. Yes. Both against the humans masters, but also against their Dalek series right. as well. Right. OK. Uh, well, there's also a theme sort of in this, uh, the the which is a contemporary theme of uh, the, the idea of we have to give up a little liberty for security. You know, the what 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 are we like the the prime minister's very we, I'm jumping ahead. The prime minister's very first speech upon becoming prime minister is uh, where we're, we're the security is the most important thing. And therefore, we're implementing these AI drones to watch over us on every street corner, which I think, especially uh, from the British context, given the, the there's always been this talk about the cameras, the, the close circuit cameras everywhere in Britain and all that sort of thing. This is a, a tension that we that we have in our society right now of the how much security for liberty and what are what are we potentially introducing into our in, in, into our society uh, when we turn our security over to AI and technology and that sort of stuff. So that I think there's a bit of that theme as well in this episode. And that's been an issue in Britain since the 1980s or 90s and in the United States since 2001. Right. Definitely. Uh, the the key one of the key aspects of the plot is that the former tech secretary Joe Patterson, who becomes the PM, uh, she she's in league with Robertson. She had tipped him off to the Dalek, and that's how he he stole he hijacked the Dalek. Which I think is kind of interesting. That um, it's it just sort of the fact that this alien technology was stolen and kind of it, it kind of got let go, like nobody's. It wasn't a major crisis uh, in, you know, unit uh, tracking it down. But that's uh, just well, kind of funny. again, you know, the, Chris Chibnall has shut down units. So unit doesn't exist anymore to track it down. And, and you know, now, of course, you got your your technology uh, minister, now prime minister, who is, you know, spearheading the thing. Although, you know, they have that one little scene where you get the little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know nothing about this. You know, you didn't know about this. And oh, by the way, turn car car factories, empty car factories, into Dalek factories. Right, that are in her district. So this is the quid the quid pro quo. By the way, by the way, Dom, uh, did uh, the prime minister look familiar? Yes. Well, who is she? Harriet Walter. She was Doctor Colonia, a physician in the Force Awakens. Oh yes, she's the one who treats uh, Chewie at the end. Yep. Yes, and calls him a big baby, or sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why that face looked familiar. Okay. Thank you. For these Another Star Wars, Wars connection. So jumping out in space, we find that the doctor is in space prison and she is making check marks on the wall to indicate the number of days that have passed. And there's been she's got way more marks on the wall than would indicate 10 months. So for her, it's, she says, yeah, it's been years. It's she like, says 19 years. At some yeah. Point. Jack says it took him 19 years to get into the cell next to her. So okay. we know it's been at least that long for her. But she's got her daily routine that she does. She says hello to each of the security cams, noting their individual number. She uh, she greets people who are her fellow prisoners. There's a weeping angel that she refers to as Angela. Uh, there are a couple of Ood that she refers to as Bonnie and Clyde. There's a Pating. And there's a big, shaggy, grassy, green thing in the distance that I really want to know more about. But unfortunately, we don't learn about it. But we get to see what the doc's doing. Then we jump back to Earth, and Yaz is inside the TARDIS house. Because at the end of The Children of Time, the Doctor sent the companions back to Earth in a TARDIS that masked, that masked itself as a house in a typical British you know, neighborhood. And Yaz is in there, and she's apparently been obsessing about 
trying to find the doctor and figuring out how to use the TARDIS to track the doctor and Graham and Ryan show up and I and uh, are trying to be reasonable with her. But she's kind of obsessed and they're concerned because not just is she obsessing, but they have discovered this Dalek drone thing via some leaked online video. Right. And uh, this is when we get the you know, now that the uh, the tech secretary is becoming PM, we have this meeting with Robertson where they have this agreement to, to roll out the the uh, the drones and at no cost to the British public. I like, I like that that bit. Um, <laughs> so so Yaz and Graham and Ryan are like they know the doctor isn't there. And so they know that they have to kind of be the ones they have to be the doctor. So this is that classic companions filling the doctor's shoes sort of moment. And uh, they have to figure out how to get into Robertson's office now that they've recognized him without a TARDIS or psychic paper, which put a pin in that. We'll, <laughs> we'll be coming back to the psychic paper later. Uh, and so there's, there's this whole, there's going to be this whole scene of them trying to do the doctor thing without the doctor and realizing how much harder it is without having the doctor on your side. Uh, and this is when we then switch back to Captain Jack showing up in the prison. Um, and uh, he, they, there's a whole scene of them using this little technology that lets them walk through walls uh, and then they, to a vortex manipulator that he smuggled in. And he's apparently been there for a very long time, too. Like he said, it took him 19 years to get the cell next to her or something like that. So, um yeah, it's been quite a long time. And the Technobabble special effect they use to escape is actually pretty cool. They they're in a bubble that we see um, that lets them walk through walls. And the thing is, it's got a timer. It's good. They have to do it very quickly because it's not going to last very long. But they're able to get to where Jack has a vortex manipulator stashed and whoop, they're out of there. Well, and also, it's also a, it's a temporal freezing gateway inhibitor bubble, if you want the big technical term. So it also stops time. Right. Very so it's also temporarily. <laughs> for, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is, so they can walk through yeah. the walls and get out of there. Right. Uh, so we also then find out that um, Leo Ragazzi is, is the guy who's helping uh I almost said Trump Robertson developed the defense drones he was he's the tech guy he's the he's the the brilliant scientist who uh does the uh the classic trope of um I did it because I could not because I thought it was a good idea and this was the he found the well, DNA he thought it was a good idea it just wasn't Right, right. Uh, without, he didn't really think it through too much I guess uh so he found the DNA traces of the Dalek symbiont or whatever you want to call it inside the casing and cloned it and grew a Dalek, which, you know, okay. Uh, and Robertson which, which, is, which right he has in a tank in and a he's, tank, he's yes. also connected it to their systems and it had an immediate response and he knows it's sentient and it could do things to their systems. And Robertson, to his credit, is not on board with this at all. Um, he find he says that the Dalek, um, you know, squid thing is disgusting, and he he calls Leo crazy for hooking it up to our systems, and he orders its immediate incineration. And for once, this is refreshing. You know, we're getting to see a businessman who's having the right reaction to Daleks. Mm -hmm. Although the there is a the bit of the cliche where he makes the order and then walks away and makes and doesn't make sure it's followed through. So you have mm -hmm. the the whole thing where Leo carries it to the incinerator. For some reason, he opens the box <laughs> to let the Dalek out. I know you don't want to throw the whole box in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think <laughs> the box may have been too big to fit through the opening or something. It, it the worst part is it didn't look like it, but still, you know, you got to have the uh, know the Dalek is going to escape somehow, and you know, as we see, take over Leo's body, basically. It does an alien, you know, and later on, we actually get an actual face hugger moment from one of the Daleks with Jack. But uh, in this case, it grabs him around the back and takes control of him. Uh, and calls him even calls him a puppet, which is a new ability for Daleks. I don't recall seeing that. We've seen them manipulate humans before 
as far back as the first Doctor's time when we had the Robo-Men that were Dalek-controlled humans, but they were controlled via a headset, not directly by a Dalek seizing control of their central nervous system. And we've also seen where they've had the uh, the eye stock pop out of their forehead. In the uh, same I hated, kind of hated, hated that. This was much better yep. than that. Yep. Yeah. So the, we do get several moments throughout this episode, by the way, where we get, where we pause the action for the characters to kind of talk about where they are in in the arc of their character, their character arcs. And this is one of those moments where the doctor and Jack have a moment where she talks about like uh, why she was in prison. I remember she was arrested by the Jadoon for the crimes of Dr. Ruth um, or or the crimes that she doesn't remember as the what was it? The division. The division. Which was, yeah. And so she's now been identified as the same person. And that's why she was in prison. Uh, and so she's she's kind of ruminating. Like I've had all these decades to talk about to think about who am I? I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I am anymore. And while too much of that would be kind of annoying and they, they flirted with that a bit in this episode, going a little too much on that. It is good to have the doctor not just move on from the whole timeless child revelation and not deal with that. So this is a flaw in the writing. Um, they had. So she said that she was arrested for evading the Jadoon originally, and then they tacked on, you know, like 700 other charges for things that she's done, including things she remembers. So she says they they put me in prison for being me. but. The thing is, if you've really been in prison for, let's say, 20 years, you should have time to process all this. You should you should be able to move on at this point uh, from the revelation that you had all these previous lives that you didn't know about. You should not still be grappling with that after 20 years of meditation where you can't distract yourself by going out and having adventures. So I think this is a flaw in the writing. I understand narratively we, the audience, want to see her dealing with the fallout of learning this, or at least, you know, that's the dr dramatic logic of this situation. We should see her dealing with this revelation. But because they wanted to make her be in prison for 20 years, it subverts that. So the simple thing to do would be to say, no, it's only been 10 months for her. Right, right. We don't have to hype everything way out of proportion. Right. It, yeah, I, that that is a bit of a flaw, like that this desire to always make everything like so dramatic of it's not just been 10 months like for like it hasn't for us, but it's been decades because she's the doctor and d the doctor can live forever sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I got the impression it was even more than 20 years. It was 20 years that Jack was trying to get to her, but she was there even longer than that, you know, and so and, and that makes it all the more. It's like by that time she should have had it figured out. So uh, we we finally get the reunion. Ryan and Yaz and Graham are all meeting in at Graham's house, and then they hear the TARDIS arrive, and she expects them to be all so happy to see her because she thinks that she set the TARDIS to arrive uh, what, what hours after they departed, and it turns out that it's been 10 months and she didn't realize she was gone for 10 months. And, and so. we saw that exact trope at the beginning of season two of new who era, when Rose shows up back home at Jackie's place a year later. Well, I, I love, I love Graham's line. Your time machine ain't the best at running to time. Is it doc? <laughs> yes. He should know he's a bus driver, right? Remember he's yeah. a retired <laughs> bus driver running on time. And uh, Yaz actually shoves the doctor. She's so angry. Yes. And we'll we'll find out some of what's motivating her anger in a, in a bit, but uh, but before we get to that, we do have this uh, scene where it's Osaka, Japan, and Leo, the the now under the control of the Dalek, enters a Dalek breeding facility that the Daleks have built. So this is uh, obviously a something that's coming to to deal with in a bit. Um, but now we have the Doctor. Now it's the Doctor. She you know, remember that before our companions couldn't really effectively confront Robertson. She lands the TARDIS in his office <laughs> to confront him. And uh, he he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She I like the fact that they 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 kind of go with this. She presumes that he's a businessman who's made a deal with the Daleks and he knows exactly what he's doing because, he's clueless. because that's what we've seen before. So that's what that's the little bit they're bringing that's new to this plot. What? But there's also another problem. 
Why doesn't anyone on Earth recognize what a Dalek is? Why doesn't Robertson know from remember when the Daleks like stole Earth right. at at the end of Ten's time? I mean, that was a global event. Or the Battle of Canary <laughs> Wharf. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's other occasions when the Daleks have been very, uh, you know, visible, apparent. Yeah. Like, uh, doesn't the prime minister remember victory of the Daleks when they were working with Winston Churchill? Surely she was briefed on that. <laughs> exactly. So uh, uh, yeah. all I can say is the time war. It's oh. a, yes, time war. Time war is the solution to all it uh, inconsistencies. It affects things even after it occurred. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so they the team splits, splits up. Jack and uh, and Yaz go to Osaka, um, and this is where Yaz and Jack have this conversation about being a companion. And um, you know, he talks about his experience with the doctor. Uh, with a doctor, you don't get to choose when it stops. You know the the whole adventure. Although they do sometimes, Ryan does. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Martha it, did. It, yes, right. Um, and she says it felt cruel being deprived of what she got to experience. You know, being suddenly you know off on adventures and then suddenly landed back on Earth and nothing for ten months. And it's almost like an addict in withdrawal is how she became. Uh, like Clara. And, like yeah, exactly. Um. And she says, uh, we're, we're the lucky, well, Jack says, we're the lucky ones because we get to do it. So enjoy the journey while you're on it, because the journey is, wor- the joy of the journey is worth the pain. Now, I, w- I wonder if it, this was almost kind of a, a kind of Chibnall poking at Moffat, because, you know, we had uh, Amy and Rory who were like on the TARDIS, off the TARDIS, on the TARDIS, off the TARDIS, on the TARDIS, off the TARDIS. We had Clara who was on the TARDIS, off the TARDIS, on the, you know, and now in, you know. They were choosing to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Whereas now you have these companions who are like, no, we want to be with the doctor, but can't. I, di- I don't I didn't get that out of it, but I did find the, Yaz's resentment of doctor separation interesting. I thought it was an interesting and legitimate perspective that she's exploring. It's not necessarily the most mature. If I had a friend that vanished for 10 months, I would be worried about what happened to my friend. And it's an interesting contrast with both Ryan and Graham, who who both of them are have and are going to have different reactions to the doc, the separation from the doctor for ten months. And I like that it's not just monolithic; that they have different experiences based on who they are and their personalities of what where that where that takes them. So I'm I'm glad that they they do that. And and, and it it works out with well works out well with Yaz where she gets mad at the doctor when the doctor shows up but you know because she was so it kind of it's kind of like that that's that thing of you know mothers worried about their child until the child gets hurt and you wait till we get home right right I, I did I did like where Yaz gets in an insightful line on Jack because he's got this big flashy showy personality and at one point in their conversation in Osaka he's sort of fishing for a compliment. And he does it more than once. And she says, are you feeling insecure? Because you seem to need a lot of praise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I like yep. that. <laughs> Again, Jack being a holdover from the, the uh, not the Moffat era, but from the um, Davies. Davies Those era. Davies. Yeah. And so it's, I think Chibnall kind of, kind of having fun with his predecessors, the, the, their creations a bit. And yeah, Jack is definitely, I, I will say Jack. Jack was more temp was more well, toned down more too. I mean, he wasn't as Jack as we can he sometimes can be. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, he could. He, they did tone him down a bit. Yeah. Uh, so Jack and Yaz go into the cloning farm and are trying to. Uh, well, yeah, I found it interesting. Yaz is trying to like collect evidence and information. Jack's setting bombs. <laughs> Jack yeah. is the ace of this team. <laughs> he just wants to blow stuff up. Uh, and then the the uh, the Dalek uh, symbionts come come out and attack them. Uh, Jack gets the face hugger. I thought that was kind of. I didn't. They didn't make an alien reference. I was waiting for that. Uh, the the movie Alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did get the face the face hugger thing, and then they end up having to fight them off. Um, and then Co- we have Khaled mutants. Uh, the term occurs to me. That's what the creatures inside the Daleks are called. Khaled mutants. mutants. Oh, right, 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 right. Because it's uh, the Khaled race that developed the Daleks. That's right. So, and then there's a, a, a series of intercut scenes between the cloning farm, 
the and then the prime minister introducing the the Daleks and then these uh, montage of the the Dalek drones in various places in society guarding entrances to things and being at customs or the airport. Um, so uh, we, we, that's going to go badly. Then we have a scene with Ryan and the doctor, and that's where Ryan reveals what, what his uh, how he's changed in the 10 months. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, there were a few interesting things about this scene for me. One of them was I could not remember Ryan's name. <laughs> and I had to look it up because Ryan, it, I mean, it's been whatever, nine, 10 months for us since we've had any Doctor Who. And Ryan has been the least memorable of these companions. He is the one that just whines and complains. Oh, and he has uh, some kind of muscular control issue. He can't ride a bike properly. And I'd forgotten that too. But to me, Ryan is just the, he's the one who complains a lot and he's not very memorable. So I had to look up his name because I genuinely couldn't remember it for a second. I could remember Graham and Yaz, but he fell through the cracks this time. Um, what I found interesting, uh, another thing I found interesting about this scene is he challenges the doctor about Gallifrey. You know, and he he's like probing about Gallifrey and your home and what happened. And it's nice to see a companion doing that instead of just because the doctor kind of doesn't want to talk about it. And it's nice to see a companion challenging the doctor and saying, no, we're going to we're going to talk about this. Um, also, the doctor is still angry about her hidden past, which would make much more sense if this were just not 20 year, more years after she learned it. Um, and Ryan tells, well, uh, you find out about your life and then everything will be okay. And so that's a clear sign where we're going to go next season. We're going to get more exploration of what happened in the doctor's hidden past. I hope that they don't take us to past her ultimate origin as the timeless child that was found on this side of an interdimensional rift. I don't want to know what's on the other side of that rift. That's a secret they should have for, you know, 10 years or more. We shouldn't we shouldn't we should retain this element of mystery about the doctor. But I think it's I, I think the viewers are going to be interested in. OK, so tell us more about this hidden past, at least the ones who who don't hate it and have turned off the show. Um. So so Ryan is clearly pointing in the direction of that's what the next season is going to be about. And in a way, that's kind of like what they were planning to do with Paul McGann's eighth doctor, because when when they uh, when they did the TV movie pilot, they referred to um, him being half human on his mother's side and. Now that's pretty much dismissed as a joke, but at the time it was meant to set up a plot line for his his TV series they were expecting to do that involved tracking down his lost family. And his father was going to be, I think, named Ulysses or Odysseus, and the master was going to be his brother and, and things like that. <laughs> um, but uh, but it, it's interesting that they're going to go in that direction. One of the things that falls out of that in terms of storytelling logic is they need to undo the death of the Time Lords, where the Master killed them all and then turned them into Cybermen. Because if the Doctor is angry about what her people have done to her, then her people need some face-to-face -face accountability. And that doesn't work if they're Cybermen. And so they need to undo that in order to properly pay off that storyline. I thought it was a mistake to introduce that storyline to begin with, to just have, we just got Gallifrey back and now the master has killed everybody off screen. You know, that's that, that, that was a mistake, but they need to undo it in order to pay off this new timeless child plot. Right. And they got to stop killing Gallifrey. It's gotten old, <laughs> frankly. I mean, it's, it's lost its dramatic tension. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like blowing up the Enterprise in the movies. Once was enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, first you know, time it was cool. It, yeah. And, you know, hopefully if they are going to go back to the Timeless Child plot and it's going to be the doctor trying to figure that out, they'll bring back Dr. Ruth and she'll be the one to kind of help guide the 13 through this and figure it out. I sure hope so. Yeah. I liked her. She was cool. Yeah. She, <laughs> she was, was good. Fun. Uh, 
there is a moment where the doctor says, you know, if, I, if I'm not who I thought I was, then who am I? And you get the obvious who pun in there. And and I was thinking in this scene, this is as far from the Time Lord Victorious astride the universe with galaxies at my beck and call as we can pretty much get. I mean, she this is the 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 opposite, the doctor who's unsure and reliant on others and kind of knocked off off her off her pedestal in a bit. Uh, which I think is good. I think the, having the the Time Lord, the overbearing Moffat style Time Lord was a little uh, much at times, as we've said before. Uh, now, and Ryan is hinting here that he, he, him, his time as in opposition to Yaz, his time off the TARDIS was good for him. He's grown, he's matured, he's settled in at home. He's less interested in gallivanting about the galaxy. He feels like he's needed. At home, it's um, and it'll it'll come back again. Well, and he's developing a relationship with his father, and that that's something that we know was always a trouble from the beginning. So right, right. So uh, so that's we have that back and forth here in the and the doctor's a little you know worried that what that means. I think she's starting to get the hint that Ryan is not going to be sticking with her for very long. And that's the purpose of the scene to let the audience have a pretext for what Ryan's going to choose to do at the end of the episode. Right. They don't spring it on us, which is good. Oh, yeah. So we don't have a Melanie Bush here. (laughs) Right. I think, well, Doc, I think it's time to go. I'm going to travel the universe with a psychopathic space pirate. (laughs) Yeah. Bye, Mel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the the Dalek uh, symbiote, there's like the Khaled clones end up, uh, they end up transporting themselves, dematting, transmatting into the, the Dalek drone shells and then start killing everyone uh the the usual mayhem that we have in the special um that's transferred from christmas to new year's <laughs> and and they want to take over the planet which is interesting because it, if you're a longtime viewer it's interesting because the daleks do take over the planet in the 22nd century and if they take it over now, it's going to severely disrupt the timeline. And the Dal- the doctor has mentioned previously uh, that the Daleks don't want to do that. They don't want to upset the timeline uh, in this way. And that's why they've always held back from trying to take over the Earth in the present. But these guys want to do that. And that's if you're a longtime viewer, you're thinking, OK, how is the broader Dalek race going to react to that? Not well. So they the doctor, when she when uh, the doctor decides to uh, let the broader Dalek civilization know that these guys are on Earth and that prompts a group of death squad Daleks to come in to deal with them. Yes. Daleks have all these little groups that (laughs) we seem to run into again, like the various uh, uh agencies of Daleks, I guess, like with the special purpose Daleks. So yes, the death squad Daleks are the ones who police the Daleks themselves. And they're going to hate the new Daleks because they're mutants. They, they, because of the cloning process they have, or I think because they've been fed human DNA, we didn't get to that. They've been fed people. They have human DNA in them. And well, impure. They also have, um, it, it it's not entirely clear, but it they're they were cloned from gene fragments, not full Dalek cells. So their their genetic code is apparently outside of what's considered acceptable for Daleks, and so we get a Dalek civil war. Right. So Robertson decides to being the a slimy businessman decides to uh, take advantage of this and team up with the Daleks uh, for advantage. It's a, another. Uh, Cliche, yeah. You know, the guy who switches sides uh, when he sees the other side starting to win, I betrays I, his own. I didn't like it because it's a cliche, and oh, here's the evil businessman trope again. Just when you were redeeming him as having having you know made good decisions earlier and had right reactions to things earlier, um, but okay, whatever. He he has a heel turn. He goes dark side, and it's not going to work out for him. Right. It, yeah, he's Except gonna, it does. He, <laughs> yeah, well, he does. Exactly. Uh, he's uh, he's going to give up the doctor. The key to the doctor's plan is that the Daleks don't know she's there. The death squad Daleks. Uh, that's part of her plan. Uh, Jack and Yaz and Graham are going to blow up the Dalek ship, the death squad Dalek ship. Um, 
and and you know, so beam over. And the doctor has zero problem with this. She she turns to Jack and says, "Can you can you blow up that ship? And he, or do you can you go over to that ship?" He says, "Do you want me to blow it up?" And she says, "Yes, please." Yeah, the doctor has has never seemed to have any qualms about killing Daleks. Like um, she, the doctor, he or she has had qualms about killing other creatures, but when it comes to Daleks, eliminate them when you see well, them. Some doctors have had that. Tom Baker didn't. Oh, okay. And yeah, the first yeah. doctor well, didn't. Genesis, yep. Genesis of the Dallas. Yeah, that could have saved a lot of <laughs> hassle later. Yeah, <laughs> but the I, I this this undercuts Chris Chibnall's juvenile doctor doesn't use weapons thing. If it, it the doctor does use weapons, the doctor deliberately sends Jack and Graham and Ryan to kill Daleks in this episode by blowing them up. She herself is weaponizes a TARDIS later in this episode to kill other Daleks. So she is totally down with using weapons. It's just a question of when and against whom. And what kind of weapons. The, the, she won't pick up a gun and shoot it, but she'll use well, other kinds of that's, things that's as weapons. That's ridiculous yeah. inconsistency. Yeah. Like even in last season with the Cybermen, they were, she created weapons against them too. So, yeah. Um, so in this one... Uh, uh, this is one thing I love about the Daleks. They detect that there are non-Daleks in, on board. So what do they do? They yell it throughout the ship. We have detected intruders. <laughs> and then <laughs> poorly drive. Too. Yeah, they drive around poorly looking for them. Like, maybe turn your head as you walk around a corner to see the guy standing there. I just I just love that about the Daleks. They're terrible at uh, security. Uh, Jack does manage to see Robertson on board the Dalek ship, betraying the Doctor. Um, and then we have very quickly the last of the mutant Daleks destroyed here. It's beamed aboard and then it pleads for its its existence and is destroyed by the other Daleks. And and that whole bit of the the, the defense drone mutant Daleks, that I, I was kind of surprised at how quickly that wrapped up. That's just like, okay, uh, that was very cleaned up fairly easy. Uh and then the the doctor's solution to destroying the Daleks. So okay, so we got to distinguish. The Death Squad Daleks have now killed all of the security guard Daleks, and now the question is, how do we get rid of the Death Squad Daleks? And so this this is phase two of the Doctor's plan. Just just one 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 uh, one thought with the the that last of the the security Daleks. Um, it's interesting how he was trying to plead for his life. That one was trying to plead for his life, but then you look back at Matt Smith when we had the Technicolor Daleks. And the impure Daleks said, we are impure, you are pure, kill us, basically. You know, it was kind of a different different choice of, we made you to become the pure Dalek, so then you could destroy us. So this one was obviously impure in a different way. It wanted to yeah. live. Right. Exactly. And it said, uh, you know, you can purify me. My genetics can be modified. And then the Dalek Supreme, there's only one purification, exterminate, which is a good line. Uh so the doctor's phase two plan. Yeah. The doctor now uses the fact that the death squad Daleks know she's on earth to lure them into a TARDIS. And we get this great scene of this massive number of death squad Daleks just flying in through the door of the, of, of a police box TARDIS only for the doctor to reveal that this isn't my TARDIS. This is the spare house TARDIS. And I've set it to like go into the, to crumple up collapse its interior so you're all going to be squeezed to death and then go to the void and further destroy itself so you're all dead can we can we say i i i love seeing the uh, original tardis console room again i oh, mean yeah. we saw it last season i was kind of hoping that was going to be <laughs> The new console the new room again. <laughs> but, you know, well, we I don't know. get everything I, we want. I hate this crystal <laughs> thing. The, I, I think the classic TARDIS room design is better than any of the new designs. Yeah, all agreed. And, and you know, again, if we, if we see Dr. Ruth next season, we'll probably see that set again. We'll probably see the, the classic TARDIS console room again. So I, I will say, however, you know, just kind of kind of a point about about the the the, the special effects. The BBC must have cut their special effects budget because there are a couple of places they look really creaky and the, the TARDIS collapsing mm. in on itself. Yeah, it was kind of like a 1990s video 3D video game. Think, you know, like 
Super Mario uh, 64 or something like that. It looked it looked didn't look good where it just it was very angular. And I don't know if they just kind of jerky. It, yeah, kind of jerk. And I don't know if this is a consequence of, you know, having to work from home versus working in a you know fully equipped office. I don't know. But it just it didn't look good. On the other hand, the explosion of the Dalek ship that the Death Squad Daleks came in looked really cool. That yeah. did look cool. <laughs> that that was, did look that good. good. So, uh, yeah, as things wrap up, Robertson is on TV taking credit for saving the world. You know, the the sleazy businessman who and I kind of like I kind of like that. Um, you know, he didn't. The Daleks didn't just kill him, and he's he even though he had a heel turn, he's he then has a face turn, and okay, he's he's kind of this survivor guy you can love to hate i think is how he's meant and there's a they end with his his uh, political ambitions uh being revived which i'm like yeah can, uh, if he never shows up again I'll, i'd be fine like let's move oh, on oh, and, and he's being put in as, for night for knighthood as yes, well yes yeah I, I love how, though, that that takes some of the wind out of the sails of the doctor because normally at the at, at this moment in the story the doctor is going to confront him in a scoldy manner with what he did, which was genuinely evil. You know, he he turned to help the Daleks. He betrayed the doctor. All of that's really evil. And normally he would get this comeuppance. And so I like that there and the doctor would be there to enjoy that. Um, but or he would just die. Uh, and I like that they're subverting that. So not only does not only does he not have what we expect happen to him, he actually benefits. Uh, then we also wrap up the Jack's participation in this, but with with a phone call, he calls a doctor. Turns out he's hanging out with uh, Gwen Cooper from uh, Torchwood. What was the Torchwood? Torchwood thank you. Uh, and so he's going to stick around on Earth for a bit. So we may see him again in the next season. That could be. It's possible. Uh, and, and then she, the has, like, oh. she has a baby now, I think, if I recall correctly, from a line of the dialogue. Uh, yes. So her, she has a son. Her son. Uh, yes. She took out a dialogue with a moped in her son's boxing gloves, he says. <laughs> so uh, the doctor's like, OK, fam, it's time to go on our next adventure. Um, we're going to the Meringue Galaxy. It's not a place. It's a restaurant where everything is meringue, which <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of funny. And uh, Ryan talks, speaks up like, well, no, I think. Um, I'm done. You know, I, I want to stay behind. Uh, the, the planet needs me. So there are several thoughts I have about this departure. The first one is Ryan. Why Ryan wants to leave is not at all clear. Um, he says, I want I know what I want to do with my life now and my mates need me. It's like, so what do you want to do with your life now? Why do your mates need you? Uh, we all have friends that that doesn't stop us from going on trips. And hello, time machine. You can you can be back tomorrow. Um, you know, so ten months. <laughs> yeah, or you could go out and go out to dinner with the with with, you know, your friends here and, and come back later today. You know, um, so so I'm I'm I don't think they've even though they've clearly signaled earlier on that Ryan is thinking about leaving. They haven't shown us why. This is off-screen stuff that is motivating us. We don't see Ryan falling in love with someone he wants to stay with or something like that. Um, so he's his motives are not sufficiently explored, in my view. And then Graham, now Yaz is all up to go. You know, she was, she was suffering from intense doctor separation anxiety, kind of like, you know, some pets do when their parents go to work. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> but uh, and Graham is now in the middle. And so Graham becomes the dramatic focus for a moment. And he decides, OK, I'm going to stay with Ryan because I don't want to miss out on 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 being with Ryan. And that's sort of OK, except again, time machine. The, you know, you could go have some more adventures with the doctor and still come back and see Ryan. The limiting factor, though, which they could bring up and don't, is that Graham is older and he's a cancer survivor and he might he might die out there. But that didn't, you know, so I don't know. I'm I'm kind of of two minds about that. But what I'm not of two minds about is Graham has been really underserved. In this episode, we got character exploration with Yaz earlier, especially in the conversation with Jack. 
We got character exploration earlier with Ryan talking to the doctor. They both had moments where they said interesting things and got to shine. Graham, nothing. We have had no character exploration of Graham here. And and so I just thought he was very underserved in his final outing. I agree. Yeah, he got a couple of one-liners, and we had the one scene where he wanted to do the fist bump with Ryan, and yeah. he, of course, got shut down again, and that was basically it. And he was the best of the three characters. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, I don't know if he was, like, I don't know what other fans, if they think he was the best, if they thought he was the, if he was the most popular of this grouping, but certainly among us, we thought he was the best. And yeah, that is, it feels, it feels uh, like he's ill-served by that. But in any case, the doctor does give them a, a going away present. He, she gives them their own, very own psychic paper so that they can continue to to do their thing. Just sort of like uh, Sarah Jane did when she went off on her own and continued to do the doctor sort of thing on her own. Yeah, he gave uh, her he gave her a canine. And, yes, right. And when he sent River Song off, he gave her a um, he gave her a sonic screwdriver. Yes, nice nice gifts. Graham's final. Uh, Note to the doctors is uh, I says I was wrong. We do get aliens in Sheffield, which is a callback to the very first episode with with them, uh, where on the train <laughs> we don't get aliens in Sheffield. So uh, the the doctor then kind of throws out uh, the, this idea very quickly of maybe I should go back ten months and change the timeline, uh, which would be a very bad idea, <laughs> given that we've just you know. You eked out and win against the Dalek, take over the planet. You'd have to redo that, I suppose. But I, I like seeing. Well, you could in, intercept the planet in an earlier stage. Well, that's true. Know. That's true. Um, yeah. But I like that they explore when we have a companion departure. What are the Doctor's feelings and the Doctor being open to changing the timeline? Because that's been a question, you know, ever since Adric's death. Why don't you go back and change this? And at the time, Peter Davison's doctor was adamant. This is forbidden. I can't do this. Don't ever ask me again. And the Time Lords were there to enforce that. But the more recently, we've had similar questions. You know, why don't you go undo the death of Danny Pink? Clara was adamant about that. You know, she was throwing TARDIS keys into a furnace uh, to try to get him to do that. And um, and it's and the doctor has still always been adamant about not undoing things that pertain to companions. And it's nice to see the doctor here acknowledging, yeah, I'd kind of like to do that. Right. I, I think I like Leas's reactions. It's it's OK to be sad. And it's sort of, a, I think, a message to the to the Viewer. audience, too. It's a, it, yeah, it's OK to be sad when when things change and to lose people that you that you don't want to lose. And the idea of, you know, you would be kind of subverting Ryan's free will and in a sense of he's told you he doesn't want to. And then it'd be like a, you know, going back in time and sort of maybe if I go back and redo it, I can change his mind and he'll stick with me, you know, that sort of thing. And that's not the best thing to do. So uh, I like Yaz's response. Uh, so we, we end with a scene of not the doctor, but Ryan and Graham back uh, on the Hill above Sheffield, Riding Ryan trying to learn how to ride his bike again and maybe doing a little <laughs> bit better, but not great. Um, and then talking about some mysterious doings that the, that they've been reading about online that maybe they're going to go check out. Uh, weird stuff in a village in Finland about a troll invasion. I, okay, big finish. Get on it. Let's get let's, let's go in yeah. on this. <laughs> and then a quarry in Korea that shut down because r r workers are reporting gravel creatures that came to life. And uh, so. They've got the psychic paper to get them anywhere they need to go. Uh, and uh, and then there's this moment where at the very end, they're kind of looking at the sun on the horizon. You know, again, another bit of a cliche of the sun setting on on their time. Um, and they see Grace. Remember, Grace is Ryan's grandmother and, and Graham's wife um, who had died. And they see her smiling at them. They both sort of see her, I guess. And then she fades away and they go on. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I thought, oh, great. Uh, the Doctor Who universe acknowledges the existence of souls. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, I, 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 think it's, I think it's nice they bring Grace back, who was there at the beginning. And 
frankly was you know the the more gung ho of the three initial folks from that family that the doctor got to see you know got to meet um so it was nice to bring her back again at the at the end um uh, overall story um i i i'll just say like i agree robertson was l- much less of an annoyance than he was in arachnids in the uk um i thought the story went very quick again it could have been a, definitely been a two-parter um and they didn't dwell too much on the political aspects they, they could have they could have been a lot more heavy-handed on the politics and they weren't and for that i'm appreciative they focus much more on the characters and the adventure bit of the story uh, but what do you guys think of, of this one, Father Corey? I agree. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a very enjoyable episode. It was, it was like, like I said at the beginning, it, it was something that I thought could have been a two-parter very easily because um, it wasn't, you know, there, there was nothing in it that screamed this needed to be a New Year's Day special. And, and maybe that's a good thing, to be honest with you. Maybe that's a good thing because, you know, we, we've talked before about some of the Christmas specials like we did at the beginning of this episode. They were you strip the Christmas stuff out of there and it, it's pretty much just a regular episode anyways. So, um, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. And, and it was, it was kind of refreshing to not have, like you mentioned, the political stuff and things like that. You know, politics were touched on only as so far as you're dealing with the prime minister. And that was about it. Jimmy. I thought it turned out better than I expected. If I were rating it on a scale of one to 10, I would probably give this a seven or a little higher than a seven, maybe. Whereas I was expecting to give it a five or a little higher than a five, maybe. Yeah, I agree. I I would put it seven or eight there, right there. Uh, we should talk about uh, some news coming out of this uh, episode. Just, just a couple of things uh, before. Oh, Sorry, oh, just okay. a couple of little little notes. Um, when the doctor's in in jail, she's telling her going to tell herself a bedtime story, and it's the first line of the first Harry Potter book. Uh. She starts out telling the story of Harry Potter, so she must have it memorized, apparently. Um, I got a kick out of Graham and Ryan. You know, Robertson couldn't figure out what was going on in the TARDIS when they brought him in, and Graham and Ryan kept him in the dark. Graham goes, are we tell- still telling him? Nope. You know, and they <laughs> just keep so he couldn't. Um, and then kind of a strange note, but when some of the companions were hiding, uh, they were sitting next to a ladder. Why do Dalek ships have ladders? <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> so you can fly up them yes. yeah exactly <laughs> um very good very so anyways good. just just wanted to throw those couple of quick notes um any jimmy do you have anything left on this episode before we move on to talk about no uh okay so uh so the coming out of this episode there's been some news one of the things that we got uh was that the next season or the rest of this season i forget how they whether this was don't worry about it next season (laughs) next season season 13 season 13 is going to premiere in 2021 they said probably at the very end so we've got another probably year to go they've been filming yeah apparently uh but they haven't finished filming uh, everything it's 2020 and and we we also know that it's going to be an eight episode season not the 13 or whatever we had last time and, 12 or 13 and we know who the new companion is going to be and for that once the other news. for once yeah. it is not going to be a young attractive 20th century fe- 21st century female because yaz already has that covered it's going to be a middle-aged 20th century guy named dan who from the preview they released looks like he's working class i don't know whether he's a builder or a repairman or what he is but um but he's apparently a working class guy middle-aged uh and okay i'd rather have someone from the past or the future or another planet but i'll take him my question is what's his horrible hidden flaw to get us to feel (laughs) sympathetic for him because look at chris chibnall's three companions he's created so far Cancer survivor, guy with ataxia, can't control his muscles, and a girl with mental health issues. So, so what's the what's the tragic vulnerability to make us feel artificial sympathy for this person, or at least that is meant to fa- make us feel artificial sympathy for this person, but that will actually annoy us? <laughs> because I'm tired of therapeutic science fiction where it's about wallowing in our emotions. And, oh, this tragic, horrible flaw is so sympathetic. I feel so much sympathy. Come on. Ace 
had emotional issues. But Ace was fascinating, and Ace got the sympathy when she was confronted, which Dom hasn't actually seen all these episodes yet. But when when Ace was confronted with her emotional vulnerabilities, she had earned the sympathy by being a really aggressive, interesting character previously. And so this was revealing a new side to someone we already liked and respected, as opposed to being, hi, here's my business card. It reveals my tragic, sympathetic flaw. This is the first thing you know about me. Now, please love me. It'll be interesting to see when when he shows up, whether that is made apparent right off the bat. Now, I'm I'm kind of thinking that he's going to be about like a gram because you look at the actor, John Bishop. I mean, first of all, he. He's a he's a former footballer or as we would call him soccer player here in the United States. Uh, and he's a comedian and an actor. So I have a feeling he's going to be the comic relief. In season 13. Now, again, whether or not they like you say, Jimmy, they're going to give him the 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 Achilles heel, the, the tragic flaw. Don't know, but, it, you know, it, it'll be nice, though, if, if they do play him up as the comedic, because that, that's where Graham really fit yeah. in well. That's why Graham was and the most interesting. Yeah. And so that, that could make him another interesting character. And, they, and they've, they've improved Yaz where she's a lot more interesting now, too. And that that helps a lot. But uh, so, yeah, we'll have another companion that that could be pretty interesting. Uh, but he's, he's, he's an actor that I get kind of the impression, probably not well known here in the States at all. Um, but he's he is fairly well known in Great Britain. So and then the uh, the final bit of news is not really news. It's more of a rumor that says a single source uh, that's being reported everywhere, which is that the, the the mirror the daily mirror which is a british tabloid um reported that jody whitaker is going this will be her last season she's going to do the the now traditional i suppose three season run because uh, matt smith dave Tennant, and peter capaldi all did three seasons yeah uh, that she'll ish yeah <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how you count seasons like i was having trouble with earlier and that this will be her last season and then they'll move on to a, another doctor. And that's that's reasonable. And frankly, I'm up for that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'd like to see this doctor have a chance to pay off the Timeless Children arc. And then because that's the only thing interesting about this doctor to me. <laughs> and and then I'm I'm very happy to see another doctor. And I would be happy to be proved wrong, even though I think the implication is clearly that the showrunners intend a Dr. Ruth to be a pre-Hartnell doctor. You know, some people have speculated she could be a future one. I don't think the evidence supports that, but I would love that to be true because then we could have Dr. Ruth as Jodie Whittaker's successor. (laughs) That would be awesome. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing is, is some of the the speculation of the anti Jodie Whittaker stuff has been, it's all anti-woman. No, you can have a great female doctor. I would love to see. Give us Dr. Dr. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see how that uh, how that goes. And of course, the, the suggestions who should be the next doctor flying around and everything. And, and, and let's let's be fair that, you know, there was rumors that Jody was going to be a one and done doctor and she wasn't. And then she was going to be after season two and she stayed on for the third season. So right now, these are just rumors. officially rumors. BBC has literally said no comment. I mean, that that's the literal and Dom, you said that was the literal quote from yes. the BBC. No comment. Right. So, well, you know, and they, they are notably tight lipped on this sort of thing. When they're ready to let us know whatever, they'll let us know. And that, yeah, I mean, it was, case. it was, they only told us that this episode was coming out on New Year's Day a month ago. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we, I mean, yeah, and we knew it was coming, but they waited for a month, you know, to a month before to actually tell us when. On the other hand, we kind of knew about Ryan and Graham months ago from the filming and rumors and stuff. So, we'll probably find out something in the next few, you know, interim year or so. But until then, um, we'll we'll just take it as it comes. I think that should do it for now. Uh, we'll be uh, putting a cap on uh, New Who for a bit, and uh, or you know, a, new episodes of New Who for a bit. But uh, we'll be going back to doing our regular thing. Anyway, before we finish out, I do want to uh, very important business thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Robert C, Alan P, Leland M, Ferdinand V, and Jim K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest 
you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And I uh, want to encourage you to uh, send us your comments, your opinions. What do you think of Revolution of the Daleks? What did you think of this episode? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next week when we'll be discussing the Big Finish audio production of the Eighth Doctor called Sword of Orion. Uh, this is uh, so we're, we're as we you know, we've been doing Eighth Doctor episodes from the Big Finish collection, bigfinish.com. So if you want to listen to that before we uh, release the discussion, uh, you can go to bigfinish.com and look for the Sword of Orion. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Tom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, in the face of all these rumors, embrace the uncertainty. Live in the worry. Right. This is going to be fun. <laughs>